Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, our guest is Diana Beattie. Uh, Diana, let's start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Glenn, and thanks for having me on your show. Uh, my husband and I are uh, actually both originally from Ontario, but we've been living here in beautiful Victoria, British Columbia for the last 25 or so years. Oh. And uh, we've been real estate investors since 2012. I will tell you that I've always had an interest in myself in real estate investing since I was young. My late father was always had a had he he knew it was a great idea, but never had the resources to get into it. But when I was 25 years old, I bought my first house on my own. And I just knew it was scary, but I knew that that was a smart thing to do as opposed to paying a landlord. Why would I do that when I could buy a house and the rent would be, you know, comparable? And uh, so that's what I did. I bought my first house when I was about 25. It was a little 800 square foot house in in, uh, Hamilton, Ontario. And I didn't realize it at the time, but apparently I was house hacking because I rented out a room in my house to uh, various young women just to help pay the rent. And uh, I thought it was great. They were paying more than half my mortgage every month. And I just thought it was such a great idea. But then I sold that house uh, when I uh, moved out, when we moved out west. And uh, so had a few years off, uh, you know, we, my husband and I bought our first house together when we were 97 here in Victoria in 1997. Uh, But then, you know, life got busy. We had kids, we got married, we had kids, uh, all that kind of stuff. We upgraded our house. But around 2008, of course, we all know what happened in the US in 2008, the subprime crisis. And it sort of got piqued my interest again, because I knew there was tons of opportunity, because we'd heard all about all this opportunity. And I started to about 2009 or 10 or so, I, I started uh, thinking to myself, I need to, to check into this. So I, of course, I started self-educating. And one of the first books I picked up, of course, was Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which is a bit of a cliche, but there's a good reason for that. Yeah. And I read the book and, and it just reinvigorated my, um, my idea that real estate was a good thing to do. And I handed it to my husband and I said, you got to read this book because I think this is what we should be doing. And so he read it and he gets it and understands it. But he kind of had his own gig going so he's it's kind of been left up to me over the years but he he's on board and i always joke that he was the one with the regular job so we could qualify for mortgages yeah. so but anyways i read that and um all of a sudden i thought okay i gotta research so i spent about the next two years reading books self-educating and then i thought i better read one done by a canadian so i ended up picking up um uh, john campbell's book in fact i have it here because i found it real estate investing in Canada. And the reason why I show this book is because this what really became my Bible for real estate investing, because it's a how to book on how to invest in real estate. And, uh, but I did know that the US market was uh, like, I was particularly interested in Phoenix, La- uh, Las Vegas and Florida, but Phoenix stood out because Las Vegas too much of a one horse town with entertainment business and Florida has too many natural disasters. So yeah. <laughs> I, I started and I just started talking to friends about it. And one of my friends said, hey, I have a friend who's a childhood friend who's a real estate agent in in Phoenix. So that was kind of my in. And so I called this woman and one thing led to another. And before I knew it, I was on a plane down to uh, to Phoenix, of course. I mean, I say one thing led to another, but the reality is I was, I, I knew it was a good idea. She, she worked with investors. So I got busy and booked a flight down there. But in the meantime, of course, started looking at lenders and all this other stuff to see what to do. Kind of like I heard you describe this where you kind of do stuff first and then figure it out later. It was a little bit yeah. of that. 
and I got I got down there and um, uh, looked at a ton of houses with her in, in a couple days. Made offers on three and lost all of them because it was so competitive. If you weren't paying cash, which we weren't, we were going to finance then you were losing out to cash buyers because uh, home sellers or banks or whoever was selling was afraid that people would, you know, um, back out of these deals. So anyway, I came home, kept making offers over the phone. And eventually the seventh offer was a charm. And we bought our first house in uh, Glendale, Arizona. And uh, so that worked out well. And of course, then the real education uh, started, you know what that's like, uh, trying to figure out escrow and HOAs and how to get an ITIN and all those things that came along with it. And uh, But we did and we got it and a few months went by and it all worked out well. And I said to my husband, we got to buy another one. So we uh, we bought, I flew back down again and we ended up buying a house in uh, Mesa and uh, same thing. And they were, you know, it seemed like a no-brainer to me with the houses were such a great deal back then and that was 2012 by the way and the first one we bought in 2012 the second one in 2013 and you have to keep in mind that money was at par so i thought how can we go wrong so the first house actually the first one we bought the canadian dollar was worth more than the u.s dollar if you can believe it so that was sweet but then the next time it was the other way around but they were right around par close yeah so it was kind of like, how can we go wrong? We're able to buy these houses for 150,000 US, three bedroom, new builds, like they were only a couple years old. And so that's what we did. And uh, so we bought those and everything went well. And then, you know, what happens, you, you get a contract working somewhere and your kids have stuff going on. And and it, three more years passed and I started to get really itchy again about buying. And this time I thought I wanted to buy in Canada just because I was watching Money Sits Magazine used to always publish this thing, the best places to invest in Canada for real estate. Yep. And uh, Hamilton was one of the top places in Canada. And because I'd lived in Hamilton, I knew Hamilton. Yeah. I had a comfort level with it. So I started doing the research there and ended up finding a terrific real estate agent who worked with um, in- investors and he was he had an investor himself and knew about rain uh, and all that. He was a member of rain. And so, yep. Uh, anyways, we built a relationship and then the, around Christmas of that year, which was 2015, he contacted me and said he had an off market deal for two houses. And was I interested in either one of them? And it was some guy who didn't really want to post stuff cause he was trying to invest in Toronto. He wanted to unload them quickly, but the it sounded good. But when I ran the numbers, it didn't, it didn't work. The numbers mm-hmm. didn't work. So I said, doesn't work. And he said, okay. And then six weeks later, he came back to me and said, uh, the owner's getting more desperate now and has dropped the price 30 or $40,000. And then I did the math and the math worked. So uh, we ended up making an offer. It was accepted sight unseen. And uh, then I got on a plane and flew out to Hamilton and um, and went through the house with a home inspector, yeah. which was a little more scary when it's a hundred year old house as opposed to the ones in Phoenix. Yeah. And uh, but we went through and it was a fourplex so there was four units plus a garage that was also rented separately. And if you read Don Campbell's book, he always says, don't just let the tenants use the garage, rent it separately. So this was uh, uh, just use everything you can in the house. So that's, so we ended up buying it and it, it did need some work right away. So we had to some safety issues, but we ended up buying that house uh, right away. Uh, so, and um, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Yeah. And uh, so I, after we got that going, that one turned out to be a real honey because the market in Hamilton then just started to escalate because what was happening 
Victoria um, really benefited from Vancouver. So the, the all Vancouver properties were going up like crazy. And so everyone was fleeing to Victoria. So our values went up like crazy. And that's the same thing that was happening in Hamilton with Toronto. Yeah. Toronto, everyone was so... So we bought that house and it it's increased in value greatly. We still own that house and it's it's a great it, it it cash flows really well and has done really well for us and we've put money and renovations into that since that time. And uh but uh as far as buying other properties, we're looking at back to the US because as you know, that's where the money makes sense. And so after we bought the one in Hamilton about about a year and a half to two years ago, I started joining a bunch of real estate clubs here yeah. just to sort of get some ideas. And it was helpful, but nobody was investing in the U.S. Everyone's investing in Victoria, which my husband and I think is not a safe market. It's everything is so crazy expensive here. We feel like it's putting too many eggs in one basket to put all your money into one property when you can put it in that same money into four or five properties in the U.S., so I started looking around for uh, uh, Canadian uh, Canadians that were investing in the U.S. and that's actually how I came across your podcast. Hey, <laughs> and, uh, and I, I contacted you right away. You had just started. I think you only were ten or fifteen episodes in at the time, maybe. And um, something like that. Yeah. I just was so happy to hear somebody talking about how to invest in the U.S. because people here just didn't understand. And it is scary, but if you, once you, you know, as you know, the more you do, the less scary it is. And so I found your um, uh, podcast and then also I found, um, I don't know, do you listen to um, Get Rich Education? Well, I highly recommend uh, Keith Weinhold's Get Rich Education. And that was recommended to me by a, um, a, key, a turnkey seller in the U.S. And it is, it's like, a, I always liken it to like, a, a, it's like an AA group for real estate investors because it's every week you have a meeting and, and it's motivating and some of it's redundant, but, and some of it only applies to the U S but most of it, you can apply to Canada as well. And uh, just like Don Campbell's book, when I went to the U S to Phoenix, I actually had his property gold mine sheets on clipboards when I went around to houses, cause you yeah. can apply it all to the U S it's just yep. that there's a few different things that go on down there. What have you got into now? What, what's your, what are you working on? So that's a good question. Cause, um, what I uh, so we bought after we bought the place in Hamilton, we always seem to need to a couple of years to sort of you yeah. know you, yeah. you know what it's like. The kids are doing stuff, and also this yeah. is when you do this, it's hard to do it off the side of your desk, as I'm sure you know. And um, so uh, my in my previous lifetime, I was a photojournalist, a photographer, and I had a really robust a freelance business but then that kind of disappeared and then over the years I was working contracts with different things and my husband used to joke every time I was between contracts we'd buy another house because when you're working and you've got kids you come home you don't have time to do uh too much stuff but so now our children are older so now we're looking again to yeah. buy more and what we're looking I'm really looking in the U.S. again uh, we just actually um so last uh, just last November we bought another duplex in uh, not another duplex a duplex in Ohio Yep. in the uh, greater Cleveland area. Yep. And um, that's probably been the, it, it's been a bit of a rough start uh, because one of the units needed to be rehabbed. And um, then when it was finished, it was COVID had just hit. So it's been sitting empty for a while, which is a bit of a drag, but the other unit has been, um, uh, we we inherited the tenants. So there, that's been fine. Oh. And so we're just waiting for that one to get straightened out. And uh, in the meantime, luckily, I'm, I'm sort of jumping all over here, but yeah. we also oh. decide one of the things that Keith Weinhold talks about in his things is how you don't make any money off of equity. And so 
I knew it was time to sell one of our properties in Phoenix, even though it was still doing well, we had so much inequity and it didn't make any sense to not turn that equity over. Like we could turn the equity over into three properties elsewhere. So luckily we sold it and it closed February the 26th, just before COVID struck. So now we have some money sitting in a bank account waiting to invest. So now we're looking in a lot of places that you are like um, Alabama and uh, uh, Ohio a little bit. I think I'm going to venture a little more south like where you are. Like I'm looking at Birmingham, Huntsville, that kind of thing. And I'm probably looking at a turnkey uh, this time, which I know might sound blasphemous to you. Yeah, but no. uh, I started I there. Just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, some of them are still a good deal. Like they still are a good deal, even even with the um, even with the exchange. And if you're very careful, some of them cash flow still cash flow. So you start I'm, cash flowing on day one too, and you're not going through that renovation. Right. Exactly. And, and this last renovation in um, Cleveland, it just took so long. And um, uh, I, I won't say I wouldn't do it again. But now I have been looking at a few turnkeys, but uh, always keeping my our, our eye open for something. But uh, and then despite the fact that we don't own any other than our principal residence, we don't own any property here in British Columbia, but we are tossing around the idea of buying vacation property up island on Vancouver Island. And then we'd Airbnb it when we're not using it. Because we have a really good ski hill here, so we'd like yeah. something in that area that we could use as a launch pad to ski. And in the summer, there's some great recreation up there. And we are talking about possibly doing that. So that would be a new venture, but that's something to sort of add to our own lifestyle. Yeah. Cool. I, I was just thinking about this, but when you were starting uh, investing in the States, uh, how did you figure out all that stuff? The the ITINs, figuring out uh, if you were doing corporations. I don't know if you use that or not. Uh, just did you get an accountant that, or how did you how did you work your way through all figuring all those things out? Well, uh, the real estate agent in Phoenix was extremely helpful. So okay. she first thing she did was give me the name of an excellent property manager who I still use to this day. So as you know, that's some, that's one be somebody you need on your team right away as a great oh, yeah. property manager. She also is the one that told me not to, this sounds so simple to me now, but don't transfer your money across the border via a bank because they give you a crappy exchange rate. So I, she recommended that I go with a trust company, which we did. And that probably saved us about two or three grand right off the exchange when we, when we um, uh, not so much the first time because money was at par, but more, um, well, actually, but they took such it, it a would, spread. It, it, yeah, it, you, it yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd be paying yeah. either way. <laughs> And then, and then fortunately, believe it or not, we have an accountant, I had an accountant, accountant in Victoria who does Canadian and U.S. taxes. So he actually, we kept them sort of as a proprietorship up until actually about a year ago. And, and that's one of the things I contacted you about. You recommended that we get a limited partnership because I didn't know to get an LLC or an LP or what to do. But my husband and I just started a, an LP in the U.S. last year, and then we transferred uh, all our homes over into that. Yep. And then we bought our most recent property in Ohio right away with our LP. Cool. But so, but so that so so and the ITIN and stuff was just simply things that uh, our accountants and such would tell us. But one interesting aside to switching your stuff into a uh, LP was that when we sold the house in Phoenix this year, uh, we couldn't. We tried to get a bank account at the Bank of America, which we've had accounts at since 2012, a business account. They wouldn't give us one. I begged them. I pleaded them. We were down in the U.S wouldn't do it really so when we sold the house in phoenix the check was the title company had a check in the name of our lp and i said we don't have a bank account for our lp and she said 
we're not giving you your money. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. So here we, were, we were about to get a big check and she's saying, yeah, there's so much wire fraud. We can't possibly give it to you. And I said, well, I can prove to you that my husband and I are the only partners in this LP. And she said, doesn't matter. We'll yeah. do it. So we were in a situation where the Bank of America wouldn't give us a, a business account. And then that trust company that we have, oh. I called him up and I said, we need a bank account in the name of our business, our LP. Will you give us one? I'd like an account. And he's like, sure. And he turned that around for me in like four hours. And so all of a sudden oh. we had a account because otherwise we would we would still not have the money today because I don't know how we would have gotten it. So for, unfortunately, it's sitting in an account with no interest. But what do you do? At least it's in At our name. And I, could, <laughs> and I could transfer it now to our Bank of America account. But I, um, but I, it's just one of those funny things that you think it's a no-brainer that why wouldn't a bank give you? We've been down there for so long, but as you know, they're they have oh. funny rules when it comes to foreign nationals. Oh yeah, I've went through the same thing. Sometimes uh, it's just like I haven't even got the all my paperwork yet for an LP, and you bought a property and you over you know because I always send extra money and they give cut you a check back for the extra, and you're like. I don't have a bank account for this yet because I haven't got an EIN number, so I can't set up a bank account. And they're like, well, this check's good for 60 days. You're like, clock is ticking. We need a bank account. <laughs> so yeah. how are you getting bank accounts then in the U.S.? Uh, so I have originally I was doing it through uh, Royal Bank. Uh, I liked using oh, yeah. them because I could do it all through email. They would set it all up. Um, I yeah. thought I had troubles with them, and I tried switching to TD. TD would set up personal accounts in Canada, and they wouldn't do anything over email. Uh, so in order to get business accounts, I'd have to go to a TD, and there's none close. Like Niagara Falls, New York doesn't have any. Buffalo doesn't have any. You're, it's like oh. you have to go way in there. So I was like, okay, that doesn't work. Um, and funny thing is I switched all my stuff mostly to Progress Bank, which is a bank in Huntsville, Alabama. And the reason is I found on some of the properties I was buying that were really cheap, they were the lender on the properties. Um, so I wanted to get a relationship with them because they'll loan mm. on like $40,000 properties, whereas a lot oh, of banks wow. won't loan on those properties. So I wanted to build a relationship with them. So I'm like, let's set up some bank accounts. Let's show money going in and out and, you know, build a relationship and hopefully they will uh, give me a loan at some point. But right now they don't have a foreign national program, so there's nothing for uh. me. But do you have? Did you have to be in the bank to do that, or could you do no, it in Canada? I, that's one of the reasons I switched there. I do everything through email. They just changed their policy, though, that they want everything um, uh, notarized, which is a pain. But they'll they'll accept a Canadian notary, but it's still a pain. Before it was so much easier just to fill out a form and send it back to them. But that that's basically what I'm doing there. I have a question for you because you mentioned you're doing a trust company to send the money. Um, I haven't done that, and I've heard that from a couple of people that's actually even cheaper than the way I've been sending money. What's the process, and how do you, how are you doing that? I use Olympia Trust. Yeah. So uh, it, it's really easy, actually. You just con call a contact there and tell them you want to like well, you want to move money across the border, and then you have to do the usual things. You know, they're always checking for money laundering and that kind of stuff. So you have to show all that stuff in your ID. And then once you build a relationship with them, like now it's great. I just call them up and, and say, you know, like when I needed that account for our, our LP, it was incredible how quickly they were able to act. And um, the thing about trust companies that is really good as opposed to something, uh, some other companies, like I know you use nice night bridge and I've told, and, and I'm sure they're great, yeah. but um, the stuff in the trust company is backed up by the 
Canadian government. So if they go out of business, your money is insured, whereas places like Knightsbridge, it's not. And we had a case in Victoria here where one of our currency houses went under uh, earlier Ooh. this year. And, and a friend of ours had just transferred 40 grand into it and he lost it because that those there's no insurance on it. So that's one thing nice about using a trust company that makes it a little more secure. Um, and they have great protocols. Uh, when we bought our second house uh, in Phoenix, uh, a few months later, so we bought that a few months later, my, uh, my guy at the trust company called me and said, you know, Diana, if you want to get that money to England today, you've got to get it in your account. And I'm saying, what are you talking about? And it turned out someone had hacked my email to him and were trying to get money out of my account. Yeah, which was scary, except that I didn't have any money in the account. <laughs> and also he said we would have never done it. So then we did a little fun thing where he called the guy, he wrote the guy and said, I need to talk to you on the phone. And he's like, oh no, I can't talk right now, but it's okay, just go through and do it. And he's like, no, so the guy, it was yeah. a, a scam, but but uh, he they had good protocols in place so that that couldn't happen because that that kind of was very scary and that was back in 2013 that that happened so now it's so much the scammers are even better now cool yep tell me something about Arizona because <laughs> I'm still like I, I hear uh, a lot of people are you know I've heard heard lots of stuff about Cleveland but uh, only had a couple guests who do the Arizona I have had a few though um, what's Arizona like uh, what kind of tenants are you getting well, Arizona is great. And honestly, I wish we had bought 20 houses back when it happened, because now it's very hard to have anything cash flow there. The market has gone up and appreciated so much. But what I really liked about it when we first were looking there was it's got such a diverse economy. I mean, it's got an Air Force base. It's got pro sports teams. It's got spring training. It's got all sorts of medical facilities. and. And it's huge too. Uh, it's it takes like uh, an hour and a half to go from one end of Greater Phoenix to the other, and the weather. You know, it's a lot of people want to live there because the weather is it's um, warm all year long. Uh, I I'd love to buy there again, but I, there's no opportunity there right now. So and, and but I did I love the houses we had there, and yeah. I would have loved to have kept it, but. I, I kept hearing uh, Keith Weinhold say, you, "How much do you make off of equity? Zero. And he's right. He's right. So, so we're, the, they were still cash flowing, but we we had we had all this equity sitting in the in the house. So we decided to bail it out and transfer it over. So, um, and now we're just waiting with the uh, COVID thing before we make any. It's I'm not I'm not worried about COVID. I'm, I'm quite no. bullish still on, on real estate, but um, we have two vacant units right now. So I'm just waiting till they fill, and then then I'll go forward. Yep, I, I totally understand what you're, you're what you're talking about there. My Canadian properties, um, they basically doubled in price. The ones here in outside of well, an hour and a half from Toronto, um, and everyone was like, "Why are you selling them? Why don't you refi?" And I'm like, "If I refi, they like." don't really cash flow like there's no point they cash flow really nice but there's so much equity it's a catch-22 right and that's why mm -hmm. i was going into sale mode and i started selling them off because i could do much better in other markets I and mean, it makes more sense to move my money around same same thing exactly it's just the, it, the, yeah. the, the canadian market does the same thing anytime there's a huge amount of um appreciation in a market it's like what is your return on the equity that's stuck in that property it doesn't make sense to keep that even you know i like to refi and uh even with some of my american properties but you're like sometimes if you refi they don't cash flow anymore because it's went up too much in value yeah and and that's exactly too um like our principal residents here in victoria um 
the market here is so insane. We joke now that we live in a house that we could never afford to buy. But what that means is we have a lot of equity to parlay into real estate, which is one of the main reasons why we've been able to do this. And of course, we have lots of friends who um, uh, they know what we're doing. And some of them just think we're crazy because they say, you know, I know you do this, but we're, we're risk adverse and we could never do that. And I say, well, we have four mortgages and we're only responsible for paying one of them. So for me, I don't really consider that risky. And I said, and, and I said, I can't imagine any situation in which all of our tenants wouldn't be able to pay their rent. And yep. what just what just bit me in the butt on that COVID-19 when COVID happened um, that first month, as I'm sure you did, I just we just held our breath. We had no idea who was going to pay and who didn't. And I don't know if you had. Did you have any problems at your end? I didn't have any new problems. I had some tenants who were already a problem and they were still a problem. Yeah. But I, nothing new came out of the COVID. But I was the same way. I I freaked out. I called all my note servicing companies and I'm like, what's the plan if things go bad? I'm like, I got enough money to pay you for like six months. But if this thing goes longer and I don't get any rent, we're in trouble, right? I'm like, what's the plan here? And I, I called my Canadian mortgage companies too. I'm like, what's the plan? But I never actually took any of the plans, you know, the alternate plans. I didn't want to take any of that. Uh, I read some stuff on uh, taking money from the Canadian banks too. The, I, it yeah, doesn't I work out in your favor. <laughs> No, I agree. And we only had one tenant, uh, our one tenant in Phoenix, uh, the first month, uh, April, April, yeah, they were 15 days late, but they paid. And then May 1st, they told our property manager that they wouldn't be able to pay. And they'd been good tenants. They'd been there for two and a half years. They paid every month and they'd taken good care of the place. So I was like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And then on the 15th or halfway through the month, my property manager contacted me and said they just they, they walked away, they packed up, left and oh. handed over the keys. And you know what? Um, I'm not angry about that. I feel, no. I, I wish them, I wish them the best. Um, they did us a favor because we wouldn't have been able to evict and we wouldn't have evicted them by the way, because that's not the way we roll and they'd been good tenants, but they did, a, they did, they knew they couldn't pay. So they got out and we, yeah. how can we complain about that? So now that place is just getting it's rent ready and it's on the market. And, and unfortunately, um, uh, Phoenix is such a hopping market. My uh, property manager says he expects it to be rented like any day. So it just went on yesterday, I think. Yeah, so. It amazes me. Like a lot of this, except for my Indianapolis properties, everything else, it like it rents up really, really fast. And I was, I was really shocked by that, especially some of the places like Dayton and stuff that I wasn't thinking that would have the big draw for um, – like we're still doing renovation and some of them uh, – the property manager saying, yeah, we, we have people lined up who want to go see the property before it's done being renovated to move in. I was like, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, <laughs> I, I wish that was the case with us in Cleveland. I, um, I'm not disappointed that we bought the property, but um, the property manager has been a real disappointment. And I, I know that COVID is happening, but we'll, we'll now have had, we have two other units one had rented right away and the one in hamilton came open and it was rented right away and they you know the people moved out on the same day the new people moved in kind of thing and then the one in phoenix is going to rent right away and this one in um in uh in cleveland just keeps just sits and i i'm i'm not impressed with the property manager and as soon mm -hmm. as i can i will be moving that to somebody else because yep. it's been a real disappointment but it's it's part of the learning process so uh, and Cleveland, it's tough to find good property management in Cleveland. And I knew that going in, but I thought I had somebody that I could rely on. 
and I think that if everything is occupied, they're fine, but uh, I'm not so sure. So, so that's a, that's a good learning. I'm not going to buy again in that area for a while until I can stabilize, a, have a good stable property manager. Yep. It's growing pains. Every time I switch markets, we, you have to, you have to go through it. And it's, it's tough when you keep switching markets. We have a, we have a good property manager in Phoenix. We're very pleased with him. We've had him since 2012. But one thing we realized is that he was putting a lockbox on the property and allowing people to go in. And that's not cool with us. So oh. our real estate agent that helped us purchase the homes, she works with, she recommended the property manager and she works with him sometimes on leasing. So now what we do is we have her do the leasing for us and it might cost us another 200 bucks, but she's, she's better at picking tenants than he is. And that's because she meets them in person and she knows it. the last tenant he picked was a bit of a jerk. And um, I guess he ticked off the neighbors because he was getting the HOA was coming around and finding him constantly, like for everything, garbage pails, weeds, everything. And so that our property manager said, well, he's apparently he's a jerk and the neighbors are getting back at him. Well, that was a pain for us. So oh, after yeah. that, I, I started getting, so that's an idea you could try. If you could have a real estate agent that you trust that does leasing, have them work in conjunction with your property manager. And if the property manager does everything great except that, then you can just sell it. It might cost you a little bit more, but I I, th I think it's worked well for us. And, and that's what we do there. You can't get a refi right now because we can't, we have our property in, in Ohio, uh, we bought it with cash and we want to refinance it. We can't get a, anybody to refinance it because, so if you know anybody, let me know because of COVID, I think they're just closed everything down for a while. They're reopening right now, depending on which lenders you use. What kind of price point? Because I know Cleveland's really low. Uh, it'll be in the 140 range. Oh yeah, easily. You can easily get lending right now. Okay, maybe you can. We can talk off. <laughs> we'll talk off that, screen. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, I I do have a, a good guy, but right now he's only doing mortgages because so many people are trying to take advantage are are taking advantage of this time. There's still going to be opportunity, right? Like yep. nobody's wishing anybody bad. I actually think more than anything, a lot of landlords are going to be spooked by this and they're going to um, bail. And um, so there will there will be opportunities. So I don't know if you've talked about that yet. About you know, are you waiting to see what happens, or are you just plowing through? I'm plowing through. I'm, I have I didn't stop at all. I, I actually in like 2020, I've been going harder than I've ever went in my life before. Um, I don't even know how many properties we bought this year, but we bought a lot. And uh, anybody can do this. But you just have to be willing to put the work in and educate yourself. And you don't have to go to Keyspire or anything like that. Not that I'm dissing those because they're great. But um, I did all my research reading books. And and now, of course, podcasts weren't as big of a thing back when I started. But yeah. um, and, and literally, you can almost read one book like this and, and get everything you need to know. Uh, it gives it, as long as you treat it like, okay, I got to take this seriously and everything that he says I got to do. I can't say, oh, that's I don't want to be bothered with that. And, um, but it, it is, it's, it is hard to do off the side of your desk. And, um, my husband always says that we could never do this if I had had a full-time job. We just, we couldn't do it. And I was always freelancing or doing contracts. So it kind of dovetailed, uh, uh, pretty well. Yeah, no, I, you're preaching to the choir. I, I read yeah. a book every month. Uh, I have, yeah, the, you have a book club. I have the yeah. book club and, uh, but I've been doing it for years. I read a, a one book every month, mostly do audiobooks so I can do it while I'm driving. Um, and when I used to have the job where I drove around, I used to listen to about four hours of podcasts every wow. single day. So I, you can plow through a lot of information. So that's the, it's the free way to do it, but it's, it takes a lot more time. And I think that's why people do, um, 
the key spy or the other things is to shortcut it. But if you, a lot of people, like you said, even yourself, when you had two years where you're figuring it all out, just do some, even do some homework yourself. And a lot of these times, if you go pay for these courses, they're just regurgitating the same stuff in a book. They're not, they haven't come up with a new system. It's, (laughs) there's only so many different things that people are doing, right? There's, you know, the leaps options, the subject to regular real estate stuff. Um, you know, you know, there's, there's just all the, you just get one of the books for each of the kind of things and try and really understand each topic and you're good, right? It's, you'll learn as you go. You, uh, if, if you have that mentality to just jump in and you'll figure out the details as you go, um, or, you know, partner with someone, I, I always say partner with somebody now. Yep. Yeah. And you, you could partner with somebody too, but if you're, you know, if there's one thing that I, I want people maybe to think of today is that like, again, I'm not one of your guests that has so much, ex- a huge amount of experience, but that yeah, anybody can bit. do this. We're just Jane and John Doe out here in Victoria, right? And anybody can do this, but you just have to be um, willing to put the work in and um, give yourself an education. Again, you don't have to spend 10 grand, just get, you know, figure it out. Join real estate groups, which I've done here in town. Um, they're not always great meetings but sometimes they're better than others you know like but but i always get some information out of them and if i get one thing that that's worth it for me uh and so i would just say that you you can do it Uh, and one way you can do it too is the real estate agent we had in phoenix because she already worked with investors and canadian she is canadian she's actually from victoria so she she knew all the things we had to do so she's the one that told me about using the trust cross-border trust company and she's the one that knew a property manager. So this was things early on, right, that I really helped me out. She also knew lenders as well. And I can't remember if uh, it was one of the lenders I found or her, it doesn't matter. But anyways, so if you get a good real estate agent that deals with investors, my guy in Hamilton is the same way. He deals with investors. So he can help, uh, if you wanna go Canadian, he can hold your hand a bit and help you with that. He also gave me a great property manager, ex-cop, great guy. And and we still use him to this day. So. You can you can get information from people like that in addition to um, listening to podcasts and stuff. Just be careful when somebody's trying to sell you something. Yep. That's all I would say is, you know, you should always have a healthy bit of skepticism uh, or know that, you know, what's behind the curtain uh, yeah. that they're trying Verify. to sell you. <laughs> Verify. Yeah. 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 And even some of these, even some of these, um, these uh, uh, turnkey companies, some of them, I, I just, you listen, I listen to their stuff and I, I get a feel for them, whether they're legit or not. So, you know. Yep. Yeah. No, I think, yeah, some of them will sell you a property for higher than the market value because you don't know any better. And yeah. It sounds like you're a deal. It sounds like a deal because you're from an expensive market. <laughs> so. Yeah. And they always make everything work for the 1% rule. Like it's always right around the 1% rule. So yeah. a lot of people think, oh, it's a good deal. Well, you still have to run the numbers. And yep. the nice thing uh, about the numbers uh, in the U.S. is that they are always often better, but and things like taxes and stuff are so much lower. And and renos, I'm sure you know that too. The renos are way cheaper in the U.S. Way cheaper. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell a funny story. When we first bought one of our houses in Phoenix, and because we live in Victoria, so everything here is, if you think it's expensive in Ontario, you should come here. Um, oh. But... So we got a we we got a notice from a property manager that one of the tenants said that two taps were leaking, and so they had to call in a plumber. And we're like, oh god, here we go. Oh no! And so he comes back and he says, yeah. So unfortunately, the carburetor was shot. So you need a new carburetor. They had to change out the taps in both places. And I was like, oh god, here we go. I said, how much is it? He goes, two hundred and sixty-eight dollars. 
And I was like, I almost laughed. I said to him, if that were Victoria, that would be a $1,200 job. So I said, go ahead and do it. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe uh, the difference in, in pricing. So, you know, I, that's what. Off we're going to go on a pricing thing. We, uh, one of the biggest reasons we let our last property manager go in Indianapolis is they charged us $120 to replace a toilet seat. And we're like, yeah, you're done. <laughs> we're like, first, yeah. like reverse this fee, and they're like, we can't. We hired a sub, like a a plumber or something to do it. And we're like, what? <laughs> and we're a like, plumber. you obviously, you obviously don't know what you're doing. Or we're yeah. switching again. And this was a highly recommended company by several people in Canada that do big time investing. And we're just like, how are you making it work with these guys? Because I can't see that it makes any sense. Yeah, you don't want to get into that. And you know they're just lining their pockets, oh. yeah. 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 Yep. So. And they also charge 10% extra on every bill that they get anyone else to do and they're they're like we're not getting rich. And I'm like they're like we you get rich when we get rich. I'm like that's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. Well, one of my property managers, uh, it's actually the one in Hamilton. I can tell the story cuz the guys not there anymore, but um, we were had to put in new steps out front and, and that was expensive because you had to put cement and, and all that. It was yeah. really, it was quite expensive. And I think it was going to be $8,000. And I said, well, what's your fee? Do you have a fee that you charge me? And he goes, yeah, it's 25%. I said, no, you, you got to be joking. I said, no. And, and he said, no, no, it, it's 25%. And he was their guy. And so I said, okay, thank you. Uh, no, thanks. And so I went, I just did it by phone. I was able to get somebody, I oh, yeah. whatever on the phone. But anyways, later on, um, that was the uh, construction guy there or, or a, an office person they'd hired. But anyways, I later talked to the property manager actually just recently. And I told him that story and he was like, oh my God, we would have never charged you that. And I said, yeah, cause like if you're charging 25%, I'm, I'm going elsewhere. Like I can, I can work the phones. I don't need you. You know, and oh. he's like, no, no, we would have never done that. He said, yes, we would charge a fee, of course, because they have to meet them there and stuff like that. But, yeah. Charging 25% or even charging 10%, well, 25% for sure, they're probably making just as much or more than the guys actually doing the concrete work. Well, yeah, and on an $8,000 <laughs> job, that's yeah. $2,000. Like, I don't think so. And I was just like, no. And the, so, anyways, whatever. Yeah, anyway, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Diana, if people want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Well, I can just give you my email after the show and maybe you can just put it in the show notes and they can Sounds feel great. free to contact me if they just want to even just have some moral support or, or uh, one of the hardest things I think when you're doing this is analysis paralysis and making that jump and that decision to do it. And sometimes you just got to get on the plane and go and it's hard, but as soon as you do it, it gets easier. And, but, but sometimes you just have to get over that hump. And there's been times when, you do stuff and and um i remember when i we bought the house in hamilton like sight on scene by the way we never saw either of the houses in phoenix either we just we you have a you have an you have a home inspector and a real estate agent you trust you don't need to but yeah um when we bought the place in hamilton i remember that night i went to bed and had a full-fledged panic attack because i i, I thought what have i done am i crazy i was like crazy and i got don campbell's book out and there's something in that there says you've just bought the place and now you're freaking out what do you do and what he said to do was trust the math, trust the numbers. Instead of freaking out, just sit down and do the math. And if the math works, trust the math. And that's when I start freaking out about anything, I trust the math. That is a great tip. That is a great tip. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. This was actually a really fun chat. Okay. Thanks for having me. It is, it is fun.